welcome back another edition of the IndyCar Show. Burnout Sports, burnoutsports.com. Tony Donahue along with Luke Edwards. And we're feeling you fans out there that are watching. The post-race depression is a real thing. Uh, you know, Monday and Tuesday I got up and I was like, wait a minute. I'm not going to the racetrack. What? I know Detroit's coming up and we'll talk about that here on the show. But, but Luke, there certainly is a post-race depression. But plenty to talk to and talk about including Marcus Erickson winning the 106th running of the Indianapolis 500. Luke, welcome back on. Uh, what a hell of a Sunday it was from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Yeah, man, it was, a, it was a great day, great weather. But, man, I'm feeling you on that kind of come down. I, I think that's what it is. It's like there's just so many emotions getting heightened and heightened and the excitement and the tension, everything just rises. And then race day is just such an overwhelming experience. You know, it's good to have mm -hmm. all the fans back for the first time since 2019. But then, yeah, uh, I usually don't even go in on Monday because it's almost too depressing because it's like, wow, it's really all over. <laughs> let's uh, let's start first before we go back and kind of walk ourselves through the weekend. Marcus Erickson, it's been talked about on this show by both Luke and I, Mr. Consistent. Chip Ganassi was clearly the team to beat. For this running of the Indianapolis 500, we saw that all month. We saw it on qualifying day. Uh, I think the only blemish, I guess, on Chip Ganassi's resume for the month was not winning the pit stop competition. Uh, but Marcus Erickson, Mr. Consistent, was right there all day. Didn't lead till the end. I think he led the final, what, 13 laps, very similar to Mark Donahue back in 1972. Palo has a problem. Dixon has a problem that we'll dive into. I think it's great. I, I, I really like Marcus Erickson a great deal. Um, he he is a shy, reserved guy, but I do think this will show his talents. Luke, we've talked about it all year. You go back to a year ago um, when he picked up that win at Detroit, despite the fact, you know, Will Power stalled in the pits. Then he goes to Nashville and wins. The guy has just been super consistent. And when you're super consistent, you put yourself in position to win races, especially the Indianapolis 500 over 500 miles. You're going to have an opportunity to do so. He found himself in the lead late. We had a red flag. He held off a charge from Pato Award. And Marcus Erickson, for the first time, is your Indianapolis 500 winner and the first time for Chip Ganassi since 2012. Uh, your thoughts on Marcus Erickson getting it done and swigging the milk on Sunday? Well, I mean, like you said, we've talked about him all month. And, and I can't remember exactly what we said on the, uh, on the preview show last week, but I do remember... It's so many discussions with just random people, with friends, with coworkers, when they were asking, hey, who do you have? And I was like, I think it's Marcus Erickson. Like, I have other sentimental yeah. favorites and everything, but the guy was right there the entire month. He was finishing every session up front. It's just that kind of quiet. You know, it reminded me of Elio Castroneves' year last year. Like, hey, he's up there. Why is uh, why is nobody talking about him? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, you think about he's never won an oval race before, and we talked about it here. We talked about it on the Burnout Bet Show last week with Mike. You know, he asked me, and, and, and same with you. I, I've been asked so many times, you know, give me three guys. And I said, I, I think it's Pillow, VK, or Marcus Erickson. I, I faded Scott Dixon, and we'll get to that. Pillow uh, pretty much got screwed, but that's just how the luck falls sometimes. And then, you know, Marcus Erickson right there to pounce. We knew Pato would be there at the end of the day, and he was. Let's go back, Luke, and walk us through the weekend here on Friday. 
We had carb day. It was a little delayed by rain. Uh, Malukas and Santino Ferrucci make contact. An incident there for Malukas. Colton Herta then flips about 15 minutes later. Joseph Newgarden wins the pit stop competition. We had a wet and wild uh, concert at the Speedway. Uh, looking back on Friday, uh, your initial uh, thoughts when it comes to what we saw on carb day. Well, it was one of those carb days where you don't even know what's going to happen. There was all this talk of, are we even going to get it in? Are they going to do a special practice on Saturday if it rains out? But just to see like the fans filing in all day, whether it was for the first mm -hmm. practice, the stands just getting packed. Um, these are diehard fans. These are rain or shine fans. And yeah, the concert, you know, we went out there for a little bit, drove around. I'm sure you saw some of the sights and sounds too. But again, yeah. those are rain or shine fans. Um, the practice incidents, you know, starting with that Ferrucci and, and Malus incident, you know, I kind of think that there was, uh, there was a little bit of give and take that didn't happen. Uh, maybe the nerves are high, you know, but that, that's a collision in a spot where you just don't need to have a collision. Um, it looked like one was coming up and the other was coming down. And that's, that is what it is in my eyes. Um, I know a lot of people try to point the finger one way or the other. Um, but yeah, that, that just seemed like a kind of bad timing, wrong place, wrong time. Um, and it looked like maybe Malukas's tire got cut down. I think that might've been what happened. Um, but the, the Herta incident, I mean, good Lord how can you derail your whole oh my goodness yeah and and it looked like it was just kind of a floaty exit you know his car didn't do anything weird on entry uh, he wasn't trying to go by somebody he wasn't right behind anybody you know he was in the toe of someone a little bit so he had a little bit of that i'm sure dirty air but very similar to Weldon's 2003 crash. I, I know I saw the comparisons to that on Twitter. I'm sure a lot of people did. Um, just glad he was okay. But, you know, that tub for not being a huge impact, the way it, it went back up and hit the wall was irreparable. And that kind of ruined their whole 500. And, and we can get more into that. But he had to go to his backup car that had zero speed on that oval. It was a road course car. So just that pretty much rode him off that one crash on carb day. And that's what can happen. That's yes, the danger but, of going out there and mixing it yeah. up on carb day. Well, and, and we had talked about this and you know, you, you start thinking about, I didn't expect Friday when it was overcast. It just got done raining. It, it wasn't all that warm. I didn't expect to get loud and crazy. Like it did. I, I thought these teams would play a conservative just make sure that their car is 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 going well and maybe a couple shakedown laps, work on those in and out laps when it comes to pit stops, and then call it a day. And we saw that Carpenter Racing call it a day about 30 minutes before that session ended. So I was super surprised that a lot of guys were going out there and, and really making runs. And I know it's your last trim up before the Indianapolis 500, but the, the risk certainly outweighed the reward. But shout out to the HMB Dale Coin Racing team. Uh, for getting that car repaired and then uh you know talk about the ultimate high and then the ultimate low in the month of may for colton hurt and that team going from winning the grand prix um to not really having a chance at all in the indianapolis 500 saturday uh, i went to the parade luke i have never been to the parade walked down had a great time uh it was it was a sight to see i'm, I'm glad to say that i did it went over to the memorabilia show out in plainfield got this super badass ari lyondike old school 90s hat 
which I've never seen and I think is incredible. And then did a little walking down Georgetown Road Saturday night, of course, watched um, a couple of the local news channels, specials, watched an old Indianapolis 500 and and got about three hours of sleep because oh, yeah. it really is be it's better than Christmas Eve. And I, and I know <laughs> that that you stay in the museum, uh, but walk us through your Saturday and how you're out enjoying uh, the events surrounding the race. So uh, in years past, uh, my Saturdays have been a lot more compacted and a lot more filled mm -hmm. in terms of on-track activity because we used to do the uh, the vintage laps. But this year, it was a couple uh, it was a couple meetings, you know, just some run of show stuff because we run our vintage cars before the 500, um, about 10:51. So we're kind of right before a lot of the major pre-race festivities and back home again and the anthem and all that. Um, so we had to go meet at the track, you know, we're walking through everything because people, you know, don't, don't, or might not realize that all the pre-race and everything that goes into a big event like this or the Super Bowl or the Daytona 500, it is a second by second run of show to make sure that you can drop the green flag at the right time. Um, so yeah, I spent my day doing that, did a few different things with the media um, and then we had to stage everything. So we're pulling cars out of the museum on the busiest day of the year, you know. And of course, as soon as you start moving a car, it's already wall to wall people. But then everyone wants to see it. Uh, so that was pretty much my afternoon. And then we do a typical um, or a traditional meal at Outback. So we go, we get the blooming Ooh. onion. And, and that's kind oh, of yeah. our our whole deal. Like blooming onion, some steak. And then we're uh, we're back at the track and a few of us sleep in the basement. Yeah, how was that? Did you hear anything? Um, you know, I'm the same way. I just can't sleep. It's it's the night before the yeah. 500, and uh, you know, I'm trying to be as quiet as I can. But you're kind of just tossing and turning because, you know, I, at one point I just had to walk outside and like look around. I was just kind of out in the parking lot, looking at the empty stands, kind of listening to the chaos happening out there in the Coke lots and on 16th street, you know, some people partying it up and just, you know, soaking it all in it, it, it never really hits you until I think the night before that, like, Hey, the biggest day in the world is tomorrow and it's going to happen. And, and one of the thoughts I always have is, man, we're going to have another Indy 500 champion tomorrow afternoon. Like it's going to happen. Yeah. So just kind of thinking about who's it going to be. Is it going to be a repeat winner? Is it going to be five times for Elio? Is it going to be a brand new winner? Uh, so yeah, maybe three hours of sleep and then up at, uh, up at four 30. Yeah. And I always think about how I want to know who's going to be the winner, but I don't want to speed the process up because I don't want the entire experience to end. And, you know, this isn't the eighties or the nineties where on May 1st, regardless of what day it was, they opened up the track and you literally spent the entire month out there. Um, I think I spent 17 or 18 days out there somewhere in that range uh, for on-track activity, and then 20 to 21 um, for other events. I want to personally thank you and everybody at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum for letting us do our shows there, uh, letting us take part in a few of the uh, the vintage cars being fired up and taking some laps. So um, that was a lot of fun and a real treat for me. Well, we are happy to do that. I mean, it's just so much fun sharing that with people. And uh, that that's mm -hmm. the thing with racing, and especially with the 500 is, the best part is if you're already a fan it is sharing those experiences yeah. with other people. Um, so yeah, that, that was just a blast getting to just hear some of those old motors a little bit and 
it's just another thing that gets you a little pumped up and amped up for the for the race. Yeah, and we had the rookie luncheon last Tuesday. I got to see Roman Grosjean milk a cow. Uh, Media day on Thursday was great. I got to talk to all 33 drivers. That's the first time I've actually ever done that, Um, been able to talk to all 33. So that was cool. I had some very personal conversations with with a lot of the drivers because they kind of had you set up in three different tables. And I was sitting there talking to... Uh, Christian Longard actually, and got to know him really well because everybody was over talking to Graham. So literally it was Christian and I, and I just was like, well, I got to keep this going. So um, I got him to say shad and poo-poo. So I guess uh, I did my job there as a reporter. <laughs> um, and then, and then yeah, we had cocktail hour Thursday night for the media, Friday, Saturday. All right, Sunday morning, race morning. I got in pretty smoothly, I would say. It took me about an hour from downtown. We waited after the race to leave. I know there's been a lot of complaints about concession stands and that kind of thing. We'll leave that for um, the the other the other shows or or whatever. But the race, um, the pageantry was great. Whoever sang um, "America the Beautiful" was incredible. Obviously, back home again in Indiana is sung great by Jim Cornelison. So I hope that he continues oh, yeah. on with that gig uh, forever or until he's no longer able, which is many, many years down the line. The two flyovers were just absolutely epic. And, you know, then it was go time, Luke. Then it was strap in and go. <laughs> yeah, then it was strap in and go. And, Luke, i tell you what, the, you know, the first stint there, there was a lot of Dyson, Polo, and Dixon trading lead back and forth. And really for that first stint or two, uh, you know, Dixon and Polo really, really spaced themselves from the rest of the field that they were going to be the guys that you have to go through to win this thing. And then we saw Renus VK's accident. Um, the first start of the race, though, Luke, was 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 pretty pressured packed before that first yellow. Yeah, you know, it was one of those deals where course one and two on the first lap. I, I was watching the video boards, and I'm like, I can't believe that they all made it through there safely. So they did a great job. I know that they, the sealer has... Um, has felt different to the drivers than in years past. It's a new feeling, and and they talked about how technically it was one of the the harder things to navigate. You know, keeping grip on the track. Um, so going two, three wide all the way through corners one and two is just mind blowing. But yeah, VK, you know, looked good. He looked like he was running a smart race, and another one of those crashes. The tricky turn too. That that. The south end of the track has just been treacherous on these guys. Gutted to see that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, watching Dixon and Pelot, and then Dixon really turned into the class of the field. Um, it looked like he could pass anybody whenever he wanted, and then he would decidedly let other people lead, you know, probably to save fuel, to to make those numbers that he would be there at the end. Um, and and Pelot, you know, we saw him struggle a little bit later on, but – you're right. It's been Ganassi the whole month up to this point. You know, the first half of the race, you're like, a Ganassi car is going to win. Um, saw Jimmy fade. That's the first thing I noticed, too, at the beginning of the race is he just faded immediately. He would be able to get up close to somebody, look like he had the speed. He wouldn't make a pass. And then eventually you lose that momentum after enough times of backing off. And then you get clipped by another guy and clipped by another guy. So that that was uh, not what I expected after Texas and after his month. But yeah, they, they definitely pull and Dixon definitely had the class of the field. 
couple guys that were on the charge there earlier were Santino Ferrucci. Uh, Connor Daly obviously gets shuffled kind of up towards the front there with the pit strategy. Uh, again, for the second year in a row, really playing into his favor. Uh, yeah, crap day for Renus VK. Real crap day for Ed Carpenter. Scott McLaughlin was was gaining spots. He ends up in the wall. Grosjean in the wall. Column Eilat. Uh, Sage Karam uh, found the wall as well. But, yeah, it seemed like turn two was where all of the action was. All right. We talked about Polo and Dixon dominating early. And, and as we just got deeper in the field, deeper in that race, I thought, you know what? Dixon might have this. Like, okay, it's, it's he's been perfect all day. This is yeah. He is running a race that could win him the Indianapolis 500. Oh, okay, Polo just pretty much totally got screwed by bad luck. And that yellow coming out while he was already committed to going to the pits. All right, that's 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 Dixon's number one contender, his teammate. He's now eliminated. And then Dixon on that final stop. And I knew it immediately because you saw the wiggle, and I think the dashboard was lighting up, but you definitely saw the wiggle right before he got to that speed the pit road speed limit line. Um Mario Andretti syndrome 2.0. I love Scott Dixon to death. He's one of the most incredible talents that we have ever seen. He sets the record for most laps led at the Indy 500. But again, Luke. He can't get it done. Sets the record this race. You know, I mean, they mm. announced that in the middle of the race. And and it, the air collectively left that Coliseum of speed when the penalty was announced. That was it. Yep. I mean, I think everyone was expecting to see him probably put on a show at the end of this race, be battling somebody. Um whether it was Award or TK who was coming and just had a real smart drive up through the field, you know, steadily in the in the top five or top ten and then top five at the end. Um, Rosenquist up there, we saw him dice it up with both McLaren cars, and, and it's just like you see, it, it is the Mario thing. Yeah, he has the one win back in 08. Um, but I mean, even before that, you know, 2003, he wins the championship, but he ends up crashing out, warming his tires up during a uh, mm. during a yellow in his rookie year um, and just continually just, you know, trimmed it out too much in 2014. And, and the list goes on and on. Um, just gutted for him. You know, it's it's always fun to see like a surprise win or a new face, but six-time champion you know it, i i just wanted to see him experience another 500 win for him personally i feel like he almost deserves it he's earned it and just one little mistake and he thinks at least he said immediately he's like it had to be like a mile an hour it couldn't have been that much yeah, yeah but also like he said you know the system doesn't lie so um just tough for Scott Dixon, but his Chip Ganassi racing teammate is right there to pounce as Marcus Erickson takes over the lead, then pulls away. And then we see his teammate, Jimmy Johnson, wreck. And I'm thinking, oh, what an, what an absolute ideal time for your teammate to wreck uh, when you pretty much got this thing won. So I thought that it was then sealed. I was like, okay, they're probably not going to red flag this. because it. But then, but then I thought, well, you know what? They've kind of taken forever on a lot of these yellows. I thought that each yellow, again, I think this happened at St. Pete, maybe even Long Beach. But every caution, I thought, was like one to two laps more than what it should have been. I mean, I was looking around, and from my vantage point in three, I can see all the way 
out of two all the way halfway down the front straightaway. And I thought, unless there's something in turn one that I'm not seeing because I'm blocked, I don't see any other safety vehicles on the track. I, I know it takes usually a lap or two to sort the field. Um, but Marcus Erickson then takes the lead, is being hounded by a few guys, Pato Award, his teammate Tony Kanan. And then uh, we get a red flag. We get the red flag when Jimmy Johnson wrecks. Johnson crashes. Um, you know, for Erickson, you go from the highest of high thinking, I've won this. It's going to finish under yellow to, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. They're actually going to throw the red flag here. And, and I said to my buddy, I said, and I got Tony Kanan behind me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got, oh, I got you thought Award, that somebody who's, who's was not going to get fired back up. Yeah. So I thought that somebody was going to get fired back up. And I was like, this happened to Detroit last year. And then of course it was Ed Carpenter, which ruined, um, what I, what I thought he would salvage a top 10 day. Uh, they go back to green. Pato makes that move into one. I It's 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 50-50, right? It's hindsight's 20-20. You know, you would think that maybe that move was better for the back straightaway. But then again, he wouldn't have had a chance because of that yellow. So he saw the opportunity. He went for it on the outside. And that Husky Chocolate number eight Honda really stuck it into one. And didn't let Pato Award complete the pass. The yellow comes out with Karam's incident. And Luke, Marcus Erickson, your 106 running of the Indianapolis 500 champion. Um, I was pretty excited to see it. I really was. I like him. Uh, you know, he's a, he's one of those guys that, again, I think this will just show everybody what his talent is. If you didn't already know it. You follow IndyCar on a weekly basis and you watch shows like this. You know that Marcus Erickson is good on road and street courses. And he can hold his own on ovals, but there's just not a lot of ovals on the schedule for him to continue to improve. And when you get a week or so of practice, and, and Indy does kind of drive like a road course because it's, you know, four distinct turns. And I was just, I was really happy to see Erickson win. And now everybody can see what kind of talent he is, despite the fact that he might not have had the results in Formula One that he was looking for. So, Luke, Marcus Erickson, man, you're champion. Yeah, I feel the same way. You know, I, I kind of want this to be, this is the opportunity to really showcase him, you know, whether it's the teams or the media, you know, NBC, just kind of get his name out there because he is a pretty soft-spoken guy. Um, he, he seems very humble and he does come from structured. He, he's not, he's kind of the opposite, I would say, of like, a Pato Award or, or or even a Tony Kanan where a lot of their their lovability and their fame is coupled and, and boosted by their their big personalities. Um, you know, even in Victory Lane, it kind of reminded me of like a Graham Hill or a, or a Jim Clark, just very reserved and taking in the moment, um, kind of like Rossi in 2016. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of funny because every time he wins, it's like, oh, yeah, Marcus Erickson is pretty good. And it's like, okay, well, now he just won the largest race in the world. So it's time to start taking notice. You know, we've we've got a I, I hate to use the word protege, but <laughs> he's he's here now. He's arrived and he's a serious championship contender and now he's leading the points. Yeah. And yeah, that just shows how important double points are. I mean, Connor Daly, who had a really good run in both races, uh, is up there in the points. Uh, for Marcus, it's it's almost very similar to Luke, I think, to Takuma Sato, right? You had a really 
up and down Formula One career before you came to IndyCar. Then when you did come to IndyCar, you kind of struggled to find your rhythm, to, to find your to find your footing. You know, when 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 Erickson came over here and ran with with Schmidt Peterson Motorsports, he was you know he may have got a top five or top ten here and there, but he wasn't a contender for the wins. But he goes to Ganassi, he's got the car underneath him, uh, and now he's the Indianapolis 500 champion. I thought Santino Ferrucci ran a hell of a race. As for Connor Daly, yeah. Tony Kanan, uber impressive. Um, who besides Marcus Erickson really impressed you the most on Sunday? Well, I would say, you know, Connor Daly was definitely one of those. And of course, he's the hometown hero. Um, you know, here in the crowd, every time he took the lead, would just erupt and everyone's hats are being waved in the air. Uh, I was one of those people. Um, <laughs> so, Seeing him lead and his racecraft is getting better and better. You know, he he didn't just go out there and blast the lead and stay out front. He he did some strategy. He saved some fuel. He wanted to make sure that he was there at the end and gets his best Indy 500 finish. Um, I would say, honestly, two people that shocked me, that really surprised me, um, were Rossi and Castroneves. Um, yeah. You know, Rossi had a great run there at the end. He was coming. Uh, Castro Neves, you know, who's been kind of quiet all month. He hasn't posted a lot of big speeds. He didn't qualify in the top 12. He had to really, where did he come from? 21st. It it was pretty far back. Um, so, so Elio coming in and getting a seventh and his teammate getting an eighth, you know, Meyer Shank put together a very respectable run. Um, Juan Montoya, of course, almost gets a top 10. Like, okay. Um, but yeah, Tony Kanaan, I think we, we all want to see him come back. We, we want to see him keep coming because he, he gets this place. I don't think he's lost a step at Indy. I think we got to see this year what we missed out on with, with, the, with the tough luck, with the fuel and the pit stop and getting shuffled to the back at the beginning of the race last year. Um, but somebody else who I think we need to be paying attention to after the month of May, who is probably a dark horse, is Rosenquist. You know, he was in contention to win the GP. He runs up front the whole last half of the race in the 500, a totally different discipline. Um, I think he maybe is feeling the pressure a little bit. We've got some silly season stuff that just went down today, and it's indicative of some other moves that involve McLaren. But this kid was in contention to win the Indy 500. Very respectable fourth place. You know... We're going to look back at this 500 and was it the best that we've seen from a racing standpoint? No. Um, you know, there's still twerk in the aero screen. We kind of knew after the practice on Monday that there wasn't going to be a lot of passing, but something that's going to come up compared to 2020 was whether or not that red flag was the right choice. Now, look, NBC is, is I think, trying to generate a close, fun shootout of a finish. I liked the call personally. Um, you know, you can tweak things here and there on whether or not, you know, hey, let's not count any of the laps until they go green if you're going to red flag it. Um, but but again, sure. I thought it was the right choice. I hate that the TV ratings were down yeah. about a million viewers, which, you know, there were 200,000 more people in the in the bleachers this year. And there were probably, you know, 50 to 100,000 people at home that were hopefully watching locally here in Indianapolis on Peacock. Uh, but ultimately, Luke, your your uh, your observation on whether that red flag was the right move or not. 
Yeah, I think it is. I know there's a huge debate and it can get pretty subjective. I think you're still honoring the code of, of 500 miles. Um, you're keeping that tradition. You're keeping that sanctity there. But I mean, we got a hell of a shootout. Like you said, it, at the end of the day, this is an entertainment industry and you have to walk that line of integrity of the rules and the sport and the traditions and I don't think we want to go full WWE with like phantom cautions or, you know, extra laps or anything like that. I don't mind extra laps at, at, you know, green, white check or whatever at other tracks, but Indy has a few special things. It's 500 miles, unless you're like Shockville new, you know, the Indy 505, but it's 500 miles and it's the one track that doesn't have a podium. You know, there are just some things like that, that I think we need to keep sake, but the crowd seemed to love it where, where I was in turn three. I know you're a little bit further into the corner. I think it was a super positive response um, because let's be real. Marcus Erickson had, he, he was getting reeled in a little bit, but he had a pretty substantial lead and, and even second to, you know, Pato to Kanan second to third was, was a pretty big gap. So I don't know if we would have seen as good of a battle and, and, see marcus erickson's bravery with those Mm -hmm. toe breaking lines that have become so prevalent since 2015 um we we got to see him really defend his his talent in that win yeah and the dragon i was also yeah go ahead i I was just surprised that pato you know watching the onboard he had a pretty big lift when he got up beside him with a lap to go going into one. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, like what you think about that. I know you touched on it a little, but that was a big lift and we've seen a lot of guys complete that pass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're not thinking about, you know, points at that point, right? You're thinking about going for it. Um, so yeah, you know, and it just looked like he he was there, and then obviously he has that big lift because then Marcus just just took off, and when they got to us in three, when the yellow came out, I mean, he had, man, it was at least five to ten car length lead over awards. So yeah, a hell of an Indianapolis five hundred. Thanks to everybody who's followed along uh, on our personal accounts at Luke Edwards Indy at Tony D Indy Burnout Sports BurnoutSports.com, Burnout Bets. Um, the Indie Boys podcast, they helped out a lot this month as well. Um, you know, Luke, and I, I, I think I'll probably be speaking for you here as well, but just this event, you know, it's, it's, we think about it 365 days a year, you know, we, we, we prep and do what we can 364 days a year to make sure that we're ultimately prepared for this 500. And, you know, there are so many people, including us and including you watching that this means so much to and you know the emotions always run high and that's why there's such a a a dull like a low when memorial day rolls around in those those couple of days so um i can't thank everybody enough for following and and watching liking retweeting interacting with all of us throughout the month of may um you know we'll be back better better than ever next year we've got detroit coming up this weekend uh, but I just wanted to make sure that I got it out there that, you know, how much this meant to, to everybody here in the burnout crew, but also uh, we realize how much it means to everybody when it comes to the Indianapolis 500. All right, quickly, we've got Silly Season and Detroit coming up. Let's start with Detroit. Santino Ferrucci in for Colm Eilat, who broke his wrist at that incident on Sunday. Uh, the super sub gunning for another top 10 finish. 
I think he's finished top 10 in six of his last seven races in IndyCar. I think, uh, yeah, he had double po uh, double top 10s last year for Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing at Detroit. Marcus Erickson is great here. We know he got his first win last year. He's completed all the laps. What do you think about Detroit this weekend in the final race, Luke, on Belle Isle? Uh, I'm wondering when the Rossi announcement is going to come through and how that's affected his motivation. Is is he going to be, uh, you know, is, is it a weight off his shoulders and going to help him have some clarity and, and really go after it? Or is it going to be just a let's finish mm -hmm. this year out with yeah. Andretti? Um, yeah. He used to always be somebody that was pretty wicked on street courses. But, yeah, I think all eyes are going to be on Erickson because, like you said, he got his first win there. Um, he kind of started putting everybody, he put himself on the radar and put everyone on notice. Um, and now he's, he's, you know, how's he going to handle this whole week? It, when is it going to hit him? When is it all going to sink in? Or is he going to be able to just focus on the task at hand? And I love that Ferrucci's back. I, I'm so gutted for Elliot because he, he's just a smart driver. He's, he's quick. He had an unfortunate accident during a really tricky race, but it is so fun to see Ferrucci back in a car and I hope he gets a good result because I'm hoping it opens a door for him to get a full-time seat somewhere. Um, you know, he's never finished a 500 out of the top 10, I don't believe. So, and yeah, and I, I, I hope he does to talk well. To him. So I had a chance to talk to him, and I, I asked him that question. Hey, you know, you probably go where the doors are open, Dad, but what's your preference, IndyCar or NASCAR? So you can check out that conversation here on Burnout Sports, burnoutsports.com. Well, that answer. And and I think that Hunko's Hollinger racing car has been pretty good. It's been pretty good on the road and street courses. It's been consistently yeah. fast. And as you mentioned, we know one thing about Santino Ferrucci. He's going to get the most out of that car, regardless of, of how it's repaired or what it is. Detroit should be fun. You've got practice on Friday qualifying and another practice or two on Saturday. One in the lights race Saturday. One in the lights race on Sunday. The race can be seen on USA Network. I believe it's the only race of the season that is on the USA Network. So that comes up on Sunday at 3 o'clock. Again, USA Network. Uh, we'll have you covered. We'll have a burnout bet show as well, kind of breaking it down. Uh, Belle Isle, it's great. I've been there. It, it's, it'll be fun to see it for the final time before they move that back down to the streets of Detroit. So don't forget to follow at Luke Edwards Indy on Twitter at Tony D Indy at Burnout Sports as well. Uh, the Indy 500, we put a bow on it. Marcus Erickson, your champion. I love seeing it. The banquet was fun to watch. He was super stoked. Uh, he, I, I think that's kind of when it started to sink in for Marcus was at the banquet because he, he really came from the heart. And, you know, I think he's realized over the last couple of years what this place and this race means to, to so many that, that drive it, to so many of the crew members that work it. I mean, you remember most of these guys that are on this team were on that eight car of Max Chilton's back in 2017 where they led – the most laps, so led 50 laps, and then uh, obviously Chilton did not bring home the win. So uh, that that eight car has that team has seen a lot through, you know, Sage Karam and some of the other cars that have gone and drivers that have gone through there. I think Saavedra was a part of that crew seven or eight years ago. So great to see those guys. Awesome pit stops all day. Get their first Indianapolis 500 victory for that eight team for Chip Ganassi Racing. All right, Luke. Let's have some fun watching Detroit this weekend for the final time on the streets of Belle Isle. If you've never been, go check it out. It's a lot of fun. It's a great track. Uh, hopefully the pace car doesn't wreck like it did when I was there back in 2017. <laughs> but certainly, certainly looking forward to it. 
Um, and again, silly season. We'll touch on that. Uh, Luke Kirkwood going to Andretti Autosports 27. We know that. Uh, Auto Nation is with him. Looks like Napa and Alexander Rossi will go to McLaren. That should be announced here, like you mentioned, over the next, I don't know, several days. I think that'll be a third car. I think they will keep Felix Rosenquist. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you. He's finally backed up his qualifying efforts with some good results. I think you'll see him as a factor over the next two races, certainly uh, with Detroit, where he's been pretty good at, and Road America, where he has a win at. His only career win, I was back with Ganassi, uh, I believe in the pandemic year in 2020. Uh, this kind of starts moving around. You know, Chip Ganassi Racing has interest in maybe fielding Greenest VK. I don't think Dixon's going to retire, but can you go four full-time cars and then have Jimmy run the ovals, which I think is probably where Jimmy's head is right now. Um, does that open a 21 car? What happens at Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan racing? Does Colum Eilat get poached to go back to Europe or buy a better team in IndyCar with more funding? Uh, Luke, we're just getting started with, with, with the silly season for 2022. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we just saw the first, uh, we saw the first move. You know, and yeah. that was kind of an expected one. I think we're going to have some surprising moves. Um, we've got some people that are setting multi-year contracts where we know we're not going to have a whole lot of shuffle. But yeah, the VK thing, I, I've been hearing a lot of rumors about Penske wanting him, Ganassi wanting him. Where does that leave the other people on those teams? I think McLaren expanding to three cars is great. Hopefully they can keep up this this effort they they were a little slow starting but it's good to see such a big brand and a fun team just back where they really belong and where they expect themselves to be um and, and Foyt, you know just keeps <laughs> they get great talent in and then they just get plucked so who's going to end up in uh in, in Foyt and who's going to take on full time i think jimmy johnson should do one more year full schedule that's just my opinion um it's kind of kind of hard to learn everything when you've only done uh, one full season. So hopefully he can swing that with Ganassi. But yeah, I'm looking forward to all the moves. For the entire Burnout Sports crew, thank you so much for liking, following, and subscribing. Don't forget to do that. YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. For Luke Edwards, thank you so much for listening to this edition of the IndyCar Show as we head to Belle Isle for another round of the 2022 IndyCar season. And congratulations to Marcus Erickson, Chip Ganassi Racing, and the entire number eight Husky Chalk crew for winning the 106th running of the Indianapolis 500. Three o'clock USA Network for this weekend's race in Belle Isle. We'll be back next week here on the IndyCar Show, Burnout Sports and burnoutsports.com.